Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith, and I'm coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith, coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. We'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Ministry Watch brings you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy. News that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective, and our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On today's program, a prominent Anglican bishop is forced to take a leave of absence for his handling of a sexual abuse case in his diocese. And the Wisconsin Attorney General has declared war on clergy sex abuse. We begin today with an interesting story from McLean Bible Church in the Washington, D.C. area. Warren, can you start by telling us about McLean Bible Church? Yeah, McLean Bible Church is one of the largest and most influential churches in the nation. I've got to say, Natasha, that I've been hearing about McLean Bible Church for years, most of my adult life, as a matter of fact, um, for a couple of reasons. One, because of its proximity to Washington, D.C., a lot of government officials, Capitol Hill staffers, and just general media and other thought leaders in the Washington, D.C. community are members of the church, and they take that responsibility really seriously. They they kind of have this philosophy that, you know, if they can change the culture of Washington, D.C., they can change the culture of the country and even the world. And its pastor, David Platt, was one of the youngest megachurch pastors in the country when he took over as the pastor of a church in Birmingham called Church at Brook Hills. That was more than a decade ago. Now he's 43 years old, still a pretty young man, and he's a best-selling author. And he came to McLean Bible Church from his role as president of the Southern Baptist Convention's International Missions Board. So he has had a meteoric rise, but all is not well now. Yeah, it's not. Um, McLean Bible Church um, is electing new elders. And I should probably start (laughs) by saying that we normally here at Ministry Watch don't cover the election of elders at a local church. So if you're listening and and wondering, you know, why are we even looking at this story? um, I do need to mention that this one is a little different. Uh, there are charges of voter fraud, voting fraud at the elections. In fact, there was already one election, and they're actually now doing a second election because of those accusations of voter fraud. There are claims that David Platt is too woke or too left-leaning for the congregation, and uh, criticisms that opponents are practicing cancel culture. They're just saying that certain voices aren't allowed to be expressed within the church. Debates about whether Black Lives Matter and how much they matter. Is there any truth to these charges? Well, that's what we wanted to know. Um, I've got, to, and I should say in a spirit of full disclosure, I've known David Platt for about 10 years and uh, looked pretty hard at him and his leadership whenever he was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention's International Missions Board. And candidly didn't find anything that I thought was untoward at all. I mean, he really shook things up there, uh, but I didn't find anything that I thought was uh, improper or inappropriate. Nonetheless, we asked our reporter, Steve Raby, to take a deep dive into the controversy there, and his report, which is on our website right now, found that the vast majority of the accusations against David Platt are completely unfounded, and some of the other charges that are maybe not completely unfounded, 
around them, but have some basis in fact, are generally the result of extremely misleading interpretations of data. Can you give me an example of that? Well, yeah, I think so. Uh, Critics of the church, critics of David Platt are saying that thousands of people have left McLean Bible Church during David Platt's tenure. And they cite figures from the church uh, that say that uh, about a year ago, in May of 2020, there were about 12,000 people in attendance uh, at the church, but there were only about 8,000 people, a little less than 8,000 actually, in May of 2021, just a year later. That does sound like a big drop. Well, it does sound like a big drop. In fact, it is a big drop. But all churches experienced a tremendous drop during that time. Some shut down altogether, and most churches that were doing uh, in-person worship were limited to 25 to 50% of the normal attendance. McLean Bible Church's drop was about 39%, but that's not all that different from most other churches in the country. And the church also told us when we asked that their online presence, again, like many other churches, had exploded during that time as well. So why is Platt taking so much criticism? Well, as I mentioned earlier, whenever I was talking about the International Missions Board of the SPC, uh, David Platt tends to shake things up wherever he goes. He was, as I said, the youngest megachurch pastor in the country in a church in Birmingham, Alabama, which is you know not exactly where you'd expect to find a church with thousands and thousands of people. Um, when he was at the International Missions Board, uh, there were a lot of changes that needed to take place there. And um, a lot of those changes were really unpopular, but David Platt made those churches. And he's doing the same thing at McLean Bible Church. Uh, but to describe him as woke or progressive is simply to ignore what he believes and what he says. We've examined his writings pretty carefully here, and it's all pretty biblically sound to me. Um, I should also add that uh, Platt and the church leadership have been remarkably transparent to both Ministry Watch and to the public about this controversy. They've posted answers to frequently asked questions about David Platt himself, about the church, and about its relationship to the Southern Baptist Convention. And by the way, I should say that David Platt's association with the Southern Baptist Convention was a bit of a controversy itself because McLean Bible Church is sort of famous for its independence. Um, We cover a lot of churches and ministries here at Ministry Watch, and I can tell you that the kind of openness and transparency that we've experienced in our coverage of McLean Bible Church is commendable and rare. Our next story is about a prominent Anglican bishop who has announced a leave of absence after admitting he mishandled allegations of abuse. Yeah, the bishop's name is Stuart Ruck. He's a bishop in the Anglican Church of North America, or ACNA, the Upper Midwest Diocese, to be specific. Um, And he's known since 2019 that former lay minister Mark Rivera has been charged with felony child sex abuse. But he didn't tell the people in his diocese about the allegations until last month. And Ruck has 
since called that lapse, that delay from 2019 to 2021, a regrettable error. That decision and the controversy surrounding uh, Rux and the other leaders there and their mishandling of the abuse allegations have led him to step down, at least temporarily. At least 10 survivors' allegations of abuse by Riviera have been reported to the diocese since 2019, with allegations including rape, assault, child sex abuse, and grooming. Yeah, that's right. And we don't know how many more victims there might be. In fact, that's one of the reasons that Ruck's decision not to go public with the information is so damaging. When one or two victims do come forward and have the courage to speak, if their stories are then amplified, um, it often motivates others to come forward. But Ruck chose to not amplify, but to tamp down the fact that Rivera was arrested in 2019. The diocese simply didn't speak out at that time. So what's happening now? Well, Rivera is being prosecuted now for felony sexual assault and predatory predatory abuse of a victim under the age of 13. And Rivera is currently out on bond awaiting trial, which is set for October. The diocese has hired an organization called Grand River Solutions to do an independent investigation of the situation. But that investigation is also um, encountering controversy because some of the victims don't trust Grand River Solutions because of the way they've handled similar situations in the past themselves. They're refusing to cooperate. They say that the firm lacks experience in trauma-informed care for victims and their families and has had an ineffective outreach strategy to finding other potential victims. Warren, we need to take a quick break, but when we return, a Christian healthcare expense sharing organization has declared bankruptcy. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and we'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, let's continue with a dramatic turn in a story we've been covering for a while. Uh, A regional governing body for the United Methodist Church has seized the assets of a large congregation in Georgia in a dispute over who should be the senior pastor. Yeah, we've covered at least part of this story before, but you're right, Natasha, this is kind of a dramatic turn of events that the church's assets have been seized. Uh, The church in question is Mount Bethel United Methodist Church, which is in Marietta, Georgia. Marietta, 
I know because I'm from Marietta, <laughs> is uh, an Atlanta suburb, Cobb County, Georgia. It has about 8,000 members. That makes it one of the largest congregations in the North Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church and, in fact, one of the largest United Methodist churches in the country. Uh, the conference said in a statement on Monday that it seized the assets uh, because it was acting out of love for the church and its mission. At least that's what they said to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Mount Bethel Church also has Mount Bethel Christian Academy. And according to the statement from the conference, the title to the congregation's real, personal, tangible, and intangible property must all be immediately transferred to the conference's board of trustees, who may hold or dispose the property at its sole discretion. Those are pretty strong measures. What prompted them? Well, you're right. They are extremely strong measures. Uh, The North Georgia Conference and the leadership at the conservative Mount Bethel Church have been in a dispute for months. Um, Many of our listeners may know about, uh, you know, the Methodist Church having a history of moving pastors around, and that is exactly what the bishop was trying to do um, here at Mount Bethel. Uh, The Reverend Jody Ray was reassigned uh, in uh, April. April to, after he'd been serving as the congregation senior pastor for five years, he was reassigned to a uh, a conference staff position related to racial reconciliation. But Ray said that he was never consulted about the move, and he surrendered his credentials uh, as a United Methodist minister rather than take that new role. Uh, In an interview that uh, was done earlier, Ray said that the reassignment uh, could be due to the the fact that his church had not been paying its full share to the annual conference for several years. Uh, And the reason they had been withholding funds is because they didn't trust um, the uh, annual conference. They didn't trust the United Methodist Church leadership generally. Once again, Mount Bethel Church is a conservative church, and the United Methodist denomination is becoming increasingly liberal on a number of areas, including homosexuality. Bishop Sue Halpert Johnson is the bishop in charge of the North Georgia Conference, which is what they call that regional body. And uh, after the assets were seized, Mount Bethel issued a statement saying that she had failed to engage in the denomination's own consultative process. While she claims to be acting out of love for the church and its mission, the church's attorneys said, They were, in fact, seizing assets as a strange way to show her love uh, for one of the healthiest churches in her conference. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about this story in the weeks to come. Uh, But for now, let's continue with the story I promised before the break, Charity Ministries, a Christian healthcare expense sharing organization, has declared bankruptcy but will still continue to operate. Yeah, the uh, Wall Street Journal said that Charity Ministries, which is a medical cost-sharing nonprofit for Christians, filed bankruptcy protection in an effort to keep operating and... um, They've also uh, been facing accusations by state authorities that they had deceived consumers 
by running what they call a sham health insurance business. Uh, The Wall Street Journal article says this, the nonprofit said that it would use bankruptcy to break away from many of the contracts that it had with another company called Aliera Companies, which provided administrative marketing, sales, and other services. So Charity is blaming its problems on Aliera. Is there any truth to that? Well, Aliera, which has been described by regulators as a sham ministry, has been facing legal and regulatory actions in more than a dozen, more than a half dozen states, I should say, New York, Connecticut, Washington, Texas, New Hampshire, Nevada, among them. Um, states are claiming that Aliera and its partnering companies deceived many consumers into buying what they thought was insurance, but what, which in fact was not. Um, in fact, if you've been reading Ministry Watch coverage, of this industry, you know uh, that um, this is not insurance. It's it is uh, cost sharing, uh, expense sharing, uh, based on what these organizations believe to be biblical principles that we should bear each other's burdens. Uh, about one to two million people in the United States uh, participate in some form of these Christian organizations, and I want to be clear, Natasha, and to our readers, or listeners rather, that the vast majority of these organizations are really excellent. I've personally used Samaritan Ministries in the past, and my family and I had a really excellent experience with them. But these bad actors are giving the industry a bad name and eroding confidence in what I think many people believe is a very innovative approach to paying for health care. Or in our next story is about Promise Keepers, which is supposed to be holding its first stadium event in years at the AT&T Stadium in Dallas this weekend. But they've gone strangely quiet in the weeks leading up to the event. Yeah, this spring, Promise Keepers announced that it would return to stadium events uh, that made the group famous back in the 1990s. Uh, the website said, we here at Promise Keepers and the staff at AT&T are prepared to see 80,000 men on July 16 and 17, which, as you said, Natasha, is this weekend. And who knows, um, as you and I are recording this, Natasha, the opening of the event is still a day away, but we're not hearing much to indicate that the event will get anywhere close to its 80,000 goal. In fact, uh, we reached out to Promise Keepers in an attempt to discover how things were going, and we were met with Yeah, that's right. Silence. Do you think people are just not ready to come back to big stadium events? Well, that's possible, though. Baseball games are now selling out. Um, We've recently had the big all-star game, for example, in Denver, Colorado, and churches are returning to full capacity. Uh, In any case, we'll keep following this story and uh, let you know what the attendance numbers are if we can get them in next week's program. Now, let's take a look at one more story before we go to break, and that's the story of outbreaks of COVID at Christian camps. Yeah, the United States has seen a string of COVID-19 outbreaks uh, tied to summer camps in recent weeks in places such as South Carolina, uh, Texas, Illinois, uh, Florida, Missouri, and Kansas in what some fear could be a preview of the upcoming school year. The rise in many places has been blamed on too many unvaccinated people and the highly contagious Delta variant. Yeah, that's right. In the Houston area, for example, health officials reported that about 130 youth and adults tested positive for the virus in cases connected to a church camp there. The pastor of Clear Creek 
community church in a Houston suburb of League City said that the outbreak happened in two waves, first at the camp and then when people returned home in late June. In Illinois, uh, health officials said 85 teenagers and adults at a Christian youth camp in mid-June tested positive, including an unvaccinated young adult who was hospitalized. And some people from the camp attended a nearby conference, and that led to 11 additional cases. Summit Ministries, which is a worldview camp, canceled one of its two-week sessions that it was scheduled for Anderson University in South Carolina because of an outbreak among its staff members. And in Kansas, about 50 people have been infected in an outbreak linked to a church summer camp held uh, last month not far from Wichita. We're going to take another quick break here, Warren, but when we return, our weekly lightning round of ministry news. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host, Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Warren, we like to use this last little segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Well, a group of alumni and staff at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary and other regional clergy uh, that are kind of loosely tied to the seminary are expressing concerns this past week that the school decided not to renew the contract of its only black full professor. The Reverend Emmett Price III was the founding executive director of Gordon-Conwell's Institute for the Study of the Black Christian Experience, which was long launched in 2016 at the school's main campus, which is in South Hamilton, Massachusetts. But in a letter on November 12th addressed to the Gordon-Conwell community, the president of the seminary, Scott W. Sundquist, said that Price's contract was not renewed as part of what he called hundreds of decisions required to develop a balanced budget, pay our bills, and prove to our accrediting agencies that we are economically viable. So this controversy is a blow to the school, blow to Dr. Price, of course, but it also shines a light on the tenuous financial situation that many institutions of higher learning find themselves in these days. And you have a story from the Bible translation world. Uh, that's right. Dallas-based Spoken Worldwide announced on July the 1st that it was launching a three-year joint effort with the Seed Company uh, to provide 20 Bible translation projects for language groups whose primary means of communication was not written but oral. However, when we dug into this story, Natasha, details of the partnership were 
hard to come by. Ministry Watch asked which language groups would be included in the translation project, but a spokesperson said that they hadn't been identified. We also asked what the project would cost. We were told that number is confidential. We asked how long the project would take, and we did get sort of an answer to that question. They said that six oral Bible translations would be done by March of 2022, seven more the following year, and the final seven in March of 2024. So, We'll be following the project, and we'll let you know what happens. And you have a couple of stories about preachers and plagiarism on the site this week. Yeah, we do. You know, I've been reporting about this topic for years, but this week we took sort of a deep dive into the practice of pastors using ghostwriters, research companies, and preaching aids to help them uh do their sermons. It's a fascinating look at a practice that is actually far more common than you might think. Uh, these stories are right on the front page of the website. And finally, one of the stories we mentioned at the top of the show, which is the Wisconsin Department of Justice has received more than 100 reports of abuse by clergy and faith leaders across the state since announcing a statewide investigation in April. Yeah, the reports received by the agency to date include allegations of abuse and also how churches and religious organizations have responded to that abuse, according to the Department of Justice. Uh, clergy and faith leaders of multiple religious organizations are involved, the agency said. Some reports are of abuse not related to any religious organization. And some reports include claims against multiple abusers. And by the way, Natasha, I should say that this relates very directly back to the Anglican abuse story that we mentioned earlier. When you go public and you present a public face that you are willing to hear these stories, often victims will find you. But if you don't present a face to the public that says that you're willing to hear these stories, the victims continue to suffer in silence. And I think that's one of the reasons why Attorney General Josh Call, who I should also add is a Democrat who is up for re-election next year, announced this investigation in April. He said that survivors of abuse, their friends and family, or anyone with knowledge of how a religious organization responded to allegations of abuse should be encouraged to contact the Justice Department with information. Now, do you have any other quick notes before we go? Yeah, just a couple of quick things, uh, Natasha. Uh, one, uh, a reminder that Faith-Based Fraud, my new book, is now available on, at, at audible.com as well as amazon.com. And I also want to thank all of you who uh, made our fiscal year end a success. Uh, we had set a pretty ambitious goal for the month and for the year and to be perfectly honest, I wasn't sure where we'd get there. But thanks to many of you, we did. So thank you very much. As always, we want you to support your local church first, your favorite and carefully researched Christian ministry second. But if you have a little bit extra that you could share with Ministry Watch to help you and others be more effective and informed stewards, we are, of course, always grateful. To make a gift to Ministry Watch uh, anytime, not just at year-end, you can go to ministrywatch.com and hit the Donate tab up at the top of the page. And finally, just a quick word for our listeners in Colorado. I'll be in Colorado on July 27 and 28, and I would love to have lunch with you. We're doing a lunch in Colorado Springs on the 27th 
and in Denver on the 28th. So check your daily email from Ministry Watch for an Eventbrite link to sign up. And if you don't live in Colorado, stay tuned. Now that COVID is lifted, I'll be traveling a bit more, and I hope to do donor, reader, and listener lunches in Atlanta, Dallas, Nashville, and other cities in the very near future. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Guttard, Stephen DeBerry, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Steve Raby, Emily McFarlane Miller, Ann Stike, Bob Smetania, Shannon Cuthrill, and Adele Banks. And thanks to Religion Unplugged for contributing materials to this week's program. I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you. you.